You're listening to Travel Talk Weekly with Rob and Carrie Stewart, travel experts, authors, and TV hosts. Join them every Tuesday as they take you to amazing destinations all over the globe. Whether it's cruising the seven seas, exploring Europe, or being pampered at an all-inclusive resort, Travel Talk Weekly is your passport to the world. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Travel Talk Weekly Show, your passport to the world. For those of you that do not know me, I am your host, Rob. And I am your other host, Carrie, and welcome to show number 31, original air date, May 12, 2020. Over the next few shows, we're going to have two main topics. One is a particular trip you can take or a destination, and the other segment will be about a TV show where you can visit where they shot mostly on location or where they say is where they're shooting from. So last week we talked about Bosch, a great original series on Amazon Prime that's featuring Hollywood in the Hollywood Hills. We love Bosch. Yeah. And this week we're going to feature one of the few comedies where a lot of it actually is filmed on location, a good portion of it anyway. More than most comedies. This one was a sleeper for us and I hate to admit we were a little bit late to the party on this one. Just a little bit, but we caught up and caught up fast. Yes, we did. Matter of fact, we're all caught up. (laughs) (laughs) We are. And for this week's trip destination, we're talking about cruising in the U.S. on the Mississippi River, because that's where that river is set in the U.S. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant the river was in Mississippi. (laughs) This week in travel news. Now I need the sound effect, like the dee 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 <laughs> Last week on Facebook, people who pretend to be cruise experts were all over the place saying that Norwegian Cruise Line may go out of business. No, they were saying Norwegian Cruise Line is going bankrupt by the end of this year. That's what they're... It's kind of the same. I just kind of said that. It's kind of the same thing. No, it was, I mean, we got so many phone calls and texts of clients going, whoa, what is going on? Here's the story. They are not going bankrupt. Or out of business, or as we out just of defined. Business. <laughs> they just secured about $2 billion in financing. So they're going to be okay for now. They're going to be fine. Ansing. Get it? Oh, okay. Very funny. And coming from a cruising background, for the most part of our, our travel agent experience, anybody that thought, oh my gosh, they didn't get the you know government financing or whatever it was, they're going bankrupt. And they were sharing this really bad information in some of the Norwegian Cruise Line Facebook groups. It's like, come on, people, they're not going anywhere. They have plenty of ships. There is no way a cruise line that is this big is going to go out of business. Well, and what triggered all this was they had their earnings report, and everybody right now in the news is just looking for negative things to jump on. And so one person jumped on it. But guess what? A lot of companies had negative earnings reports because of everything that is going on in the world right now. They just happen to get singled out because the cruises and Disney are just like a hot spot. They got a magnifying glass on them. So when it comes down to it, know your source of where you're getting information. 99.9999% of the people out there can't read those financials anyway. Exactly. And so they're going to make stuff up because they want to be first. They don't want to be right. That is correct. For those of you that listen to the Disney Travel Secrets podcast, you know this. Shanghai Disney is now open literally as of yesterday. And Disney Springs at Walt Disney World is opening next week on a limited basis on May 20th. So this is good for the travel industry because when Disney does something or even the cruise lines, when any of them do something big, like we mentioned, 
We're all going to be watching. And in fact, I was watching some of like the opening ceremonies for Shanghai Disneyland reopenings, pretty fun. And then somebody I follow on Instagram, just following her stories. I think that the way we travel in the future is we're going to really start seeing how things are working out. So you know what? Congratulations, Shanghai Disneyland. Can't wait to hear more about how it goes this week. And some of the things that we were seeing were nobody in that area is social distancing, except when they go to the parks, because now they have to. The little boxes you have yeah. to stand in, places <laughs> you have to avoid. Um, you get charged more, what I heard, is for your entry ticket, you get charged more if you're wearing a regular surgical mask versus a Disney character or a Disney-themed mask. No, you did not. <laughs> did I make that up? You totally made that up. It sounded real to me. No, it was not real. Moving on. As the travel industry is slowly coming back, we know this. Many people that wanted to or would have traveled to Europe will most likely put that off just a bit and start with a domestic trip. Yeah, this is happening with a lot of people. So to add to that, many people are also putting off flying to a destination and instead will be driving. So with that in mind, we thought that a cruise on the Mississippi would be a great topic for this week because a lot of people don't know that there is actually a river cruise on the Mississippi. This isn't like a day trip. This is a full-on extended, like what, five to, well, we have all those. Seven to nine days. Yeah, we'll we'll go past the five days. Yeah, we will. These are seven, eight, nine days, depending on the trip. And the funny part is we were talking to our assistant, Serena, today, and she's like, wait a minute, you can do river cruises in the U.S.? Yeah. (laughs) Most of you don't know that, except a lot of you that watch TV. You may have seen an ad from one of the two companies that we are about to discuss on this week's show. There are two main river cruise lines on the Mississippi. American Cruise Lines and American Queen Steamboat Company. Everyone's heard of Viking, and although they do have plans to enter the U.S. market, they probably won't do it until 2022. I think they were scheduled to do it next year, and the whole pandemic slowed down the uh, slowed down the building of the ships and their plans to move forward into the U.S. market. I can tell you things are going to change when Viking enters this market. They absolutely will, because right now, between these two cruise lines, it's pretty easy to do a side-by-side comparison. So if you try to do that with the ocean cruising cruise lines, so you got, you know, I don't know, there's like a gazillion. Yeah, of them. good luck with that. Yeah, it's really hard to do an apples to apples comparison. So I kind of like that for the Mississippi River is I can actually do an apples to apples comparison. Itineraries are similar, but the experiences are definitely different. And so are the pricing on the Mississippi River cruises. You're going to have options on ships that will hold like less than 200, and then also a ship that can hold up to 435 passengers. And so that's pretty, really big for a river cruise. Yeah, that is. So let's start with American Cruise Line. Which is the one you probably see on TV because they do some TV advertising. They do. So they have three ships that offer Mississippi River cruises year-round. Now, one part of the river you're probably not going to want to do year-round. But the capacity of their three ships is between 150 and 185. So very similar to the size of the ships in terms of passenger count that you get in Europe. I love that size. I do too. The other company is American Queen Steamboat Company. And they have two ships that are available year-round. But they're more, I would say, seasonal in nature. They travel on the upper Mississippi from either June or July through October. And the remainder of the year, they cruise on the lower Mississippi, which would be considered Memphis to New Orleans. And that's pretty standard. When you cruise on the Mississippi, that's usually how they get segmented. You are going to do the upper or the lower portions. Now, the upper Mississippi 
is that St. Louis to St. Paul, Minnesota type cruise. That's where you got to pretty much use St. St. Louis or Memphis as like your midpoint guideline. And so you're either going to want to go north or you're going to be going south. Depending on the season, of course. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> Having grown up in St. Louis, I would love to take either one of these itineraries. And what's kind of funny to me is that they market this as a cruise from St. Louis. And that's not really the case if you're doing the upper Mississippi. You're going to do a hotel night in St. Louis. But the ships themselves, they dock in a place called Alton, Illinois, so across the river, but also a little bit north from St. Louis. Ironically enough, I owned a bar. I know exactly where they dock because I owned a, a bar called Dempsey's Pub back in the early 90s. And during the crazy floods of 1993, I lost my bar that was literally right there on the, the waterfront in Alton. So I am very familiar with Alton, Illinois. I thought that that was kind of interesting when I was reading through on the itineraries. I was just like, wait, you start in St. Louis, then you go to Alton. Isn't that just like across the water kind of? It's not. It's about... <laughs> well, it, I'm going to make up there. this number. It's yeah. probably it's 20, 20 or so miles north yeah, it I mean, is a little more, river, but, it is, but it, is a, yeah. it is across the river. I just thought that was kind of a funny first stop, but it's not. So the cruise actually starts in Alton, Illinois, but you would get there via St. Louis. Right. And in, in both in both of those cruise lines, they do a pre-cruise night in St. Louis. So you can, you know, maybe you can take in a Cardinals game or head down to Laclede's Landing and do bar hopping. That's a great place to stay. Love St. Louis. Even though I haven't lived there since 97, you and I have both been there several times. You were doing some jobs there. Yeah. I remember... I've you, been to St. Louis many times. You were doing a job where the St. Louis Rams played the, I guess, one-time NFL team. They don't have another one now. And we were at the Edward Jones Dome, and we took a golf cart, legally, of course, yes, alleg- this allegedly. Was, no, this was. It was we legally. we took the golf cart and just drove around the Cleeds Landing, or as the St. Louisans call it, the landing. And we just went bar hopping on a golf cart. I will never, ever forget that experience. That was incredible. And the people going, oh my gosh, how do you have a golf cart down here? <laughs> well, you know, it's just one of those things. We know people. Now, we do know people. <laughs> St. Louis, though, is a great place to visit for a night because there is a lot of history. So if you're into history, you know, great place to start your trip or end your trip. So I can see why they've kind of pick this. And for those of you that don't know, St. Louis is called the Gateway to the West. You know that big arch thingy they do? Gateway to the West. One of the prized possessions that my mom left me when she passed away was, and I have this in my hand right now, a United States Coast Guard license to U.S. Merchant Marine Officer, my grandpa, who was a chief engineer of steam vessels of any horsepower upon rivers. And this was issued in July of 1959. In St. Louis, Missouri, it has the official seal, you know, the imprint seal, and on the back of it, his signature, his thumbprint. And this is really cool because I am going to frame this. You know, my grandpa, before I was born, I was born in the 60s, and he had retired from the Coast Guard at that point, literally working on the Mississippi River. So I'm going to frame this and put it on my wall. So he could have been maybe working on a river cruise if he were still alive today. He would be the engineer for sure. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, he was born in 1901. So you can imagine... (laughs) Just the progression of ships he worked on oh, yeah. from when he was, you know, a kid, probably in, you know, the teens, you know, up through the 30s, 40s, and 50s. So very, very cool prized possession that I love. So I wonder where your grandpa would go up and down on the Mississippi. Like how far up? 
Did he go from St. Louis to Alton? I have, I'm sure that was part of it because that's like 20 <laughs> he probably, miles. In. Yeah, or he left from Alton. We don't know. So where exactly are your stops going to be on a river cruise? Well, they are going to vary a little bit, not so much though, between the two cruise lines because obviously these ports need to be equipped to accept ships to come in with passengers. Well, it's like the European river cruises. Yeah. There are certain places that you can you can dock a riverboat of that size. Like you can't just pull up to you know some random dock on the river. Right, and just Although, tie up. Although, actually in Bordeaux, we did on that one time. It was not even an official dock. <laughs> that is true. They that pulled off, true. we jumped off, and then they kept going. Yeah, that is true. So for the upper the upper Mississippi, typical stops will be, like you said, you start in St. Louis, but you leave from Alton. You go to Hannibal, Missouri. Mark Twain. Exactly. Very popular for the Mississippi. And then you're going to have a cruise day. So that's just enjoying the beautiful scenery from the Mississippi. And then you have a couple of stops in Iowa, Dubuque being one of them. Dubuque. I've actually skied there. They have, during the winter, they have a little ski resort there. They have a ski resort in Dubuque? They have one in St. Louis. Wow. That's interesting. And then La Crosse, Wisconsin is a stop. I've been to La Crosse, Wisconsin. Why? Because a client that I used to do some marketing and video work for is based out of La Crosse. And it is, it's a beautiful place, but it's old. The so, upper Midwest is really cool. So if you really like um, history, this is a really great one, but beautiful part of the world, little tricky to get to. So river cruise would be a great way. And then you would end in a place like Red Wing, Minnesota. Which is close to the Twin Cities, you know, Minneapolis and St. Paul. Yeah. So pretty much you would fly into St. Louis and then you would return from the the Twin Cities. The Twin Cities. So I actually prefer, as opposed to the um, different city stops, because if you don't know what's in Dubuque or you don't know what's in Clinton, Iowa, you'd be going like, okay, am I going to like this itinerary? I kind of prefer the other descriptions they give them. So for example, a life on the Mississippi cruise. So you learn about all the towns and how the Mississippi kind of is part of their culture or the Americans Heartland cruise. So how Americans in the Midwest live. I also like the Mark Twain and Fall Foliage trip, which you may have pronounced foliage. I, I said nothing. Yes, allegedly. <laughs> Just because you edit this doesn't mean you get to delete all the funny stuff. Yes, it does. Now, in the lower Mississippi, you'll go to places like leave from Memphis and go to New Orleans or just the opposite. And this one has stops in Mississippi, of course, and other Louisiana cities like Baton Rouge. And you'll find that these are more themed like they'll have a music cruise or a culinary cruise or even a civil war cruise. And I'm thinking for the music cruise, how would you like to take a cruise to Memphis, like New Orleans to Memphis or Memphis to New Orleans? I mean, to me, I would love to hang out in Memphis and just enjoy the music, the food, the sights, the history. Yeah, I think that's what makes the lower Mississippi quite popular. So if you love jazz music, you may want to consider this cruise or even rock and roll. You know, yeah, Elvis. Oh yeah. And Tupelo, Mississippi. Not on the itinerary, but Mississippi is the river you're on. Now, if you like watching programs like Aerial America, which I really like that show. I do too. And that would be a good series if you're thinking about doing a Mississippi River cruise to watch some of the shows that feature those states that are along the Mississippi, because that will give you another vantage point of some of the things that you might see. And I think that's why the Mississippi River cruises maybe aren't as popular as some of the others over in Europe, other than they, those are Europe. Well, it's just completely different history. Yeah, it's totally different history. And I think that anybody who goes on one of these cruises is definitely going to learn something new about our country. Something to note is 
these types of cruises, they will attract an older demographic. This is definitely not like a spring break type of thing. This is culture, history, food, a slow trip up or down the river. This is not a partying ship. And thank God that yeah, it's not. exactly. Or for kids. This would not be for kids. I would agree. And it kind of, well, depending on the kids, if the kids love history and they're well-behaved, I think one of the reasons it skews older is these are people that maybe they would like to take a nice, relaxing, slow cruise, but they don't feel comfortable traveling to Europe. And forget about the, the crisis we're going through now, but traveling, if they've never been to Europe and traveling all the way there, and then getting on a cruise, which we know is is very, very safe. But I think the mindset behind this is just, you know what? I want to stay someplace close. I don't want to fly. Exactly. I want to drive to wherever I need to go and take this cruise. However, if you do this, you will end up very, very far away from your car. Because this, <laughs> is, not, this is not a round-trip cruise. This is a point-to-point -point cruise. That is very important to note. Now, there are some pretty big differences between the two cruise lines. You currently have a choice on the Mississippi. So there's definitely some things that separate them. I do like that there is such a difference between the two that it makes the choice very easy. Yeah, because if you know how you like to travel, this is going to definitely help you narrow down which one you would probably enjoy more. So on American Queen Steamboat Company on their ships, those are definitely going to be smaller rooms. And those are like the paddle wheel ships. Yeah, those are they're and the cabins are very, very small. So they're going to be between 132 and 140 square feet in size. That is really small. It is really small. But their pricing is about half of what it is with American Cruise Line. That said, on American Cruise Line, your stateroom is about 290 square feet in size. So we're talking at least double the size. So if small spaces aren't your thing, I know exactly which ship is best for you. <laughs> I do too. And we'll talk about pricing in a second. But so American Queen Steamboat is about half the size from a stateroom standpoint. It's also about half the size from a ship size standpoint, as far as capacity, M meaning that American Cruise Lines fits about twice the passengers than American Queen Steamboat. Now, both of them do have some of the, what we call the Mac Daddy special suites. And so if you, those little small ones kind of scare you, don't worry about that because you could get maybe an owner suite or something that is going to be a little bit bigger, um, especially on the American Cruise Lines. They have some, some pretty nice um, owner suite options there and some balconies, so private balcony staterooms. What's going to be very interesting is to see what Viking does to this market. You know, they started with river cruising in Europe, and then they got into the ocean cruising segment. And for them to come to the U.S. and enter the U.S. river cruising segment of, of the travel industry, again, they were supposed to do it next year. They got delayed. I want to see what happens based on the two companies we just talked about when Viking comes to the market. Because I can tell you this, Viking will not come to this market with two or three or four ships. They'll probably do 10. Because <laughs> that's how they are. <laughs> they do, there's no reason to differ from their business model now, which is flood the European rivers and bring one or two ships over to the Mississippi. I think they'll do most of the U.S. rivers, not just the Mississippi, but they will have a definite impact on the, the Mississippi River cruises that we just talked about. A Mississippi River cruise would be a great idea as a gift for maybe your parents or grandparents who like to travel and they love history. Maybe they love the national parks. They like going on tours. They love learning about U.S. history. This would be a great gift idea for them. And something to keep in mind is that the Mississippi River back in the day, it was the main highway system in the U.S. before cars and trains and all those things. 
And especially if anybody in your family grew up along the Mississippi, again, like me in St. Louis, I have friends, you know, from Memphis. We have a lot of friends up in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And to think that before cars and trains, we were all connected by this one river. I would love to take this type of cruise. Well, I think we definitely need to put this on our itinerary of travels in the future. Maybe we'll end up doing this one this year since everything over to Europe's been a little tricky to get to. And maybe one of these cruise lines should invite us on board. (laughs) We'll do a live show. Yeah. And speaking of that type of entertainment, that brings us to this week's travel entertainment section where we are inspired about some of the shows we watch and where they're set. In this week's entertainment segment, we chose a show, I will say, at first glance, we did not think that we would like this at all. Yeah, this is a TV show that everyone seemed to be talking about, but we were like, "Mm, the premise of the show doesn't really make sense, and I felt like the name was a little too kitschy. I don't know what kitschy meant, but I think in the context of what we're talking about, I would agree (laughs) with that. And no, we're not talking about Tiger King. That is a show, I will say right now, publicly, we will never watch. I just... I have no interest. Exactly. Yeah. I don't even care anything about (laughs) that show. So what are we talking about? So the show we're talking about is Schitt's Creek. And you can't, the FCC is about to find just us. To be Will you clear, define that? Yes, just to be clear, that is spelled S-C-H-I-T-T apostrophe S. And I would like to thank you to the FCC if you are listening right now. We did, this was not an inappropriate title. I will say it is hilarious, but also I think it's so clever I did not even put this on our radar. Here's the description of the show. When filthy rich video store magnate Johnny Rose and his family suddenly find themselves broke, they are forced to leave their pampered lives to regroup and rebuild their empire from within the rural city limits of their only remaining asset, Schitt's Creek, an armpit of a town they once bought as a joke. And before we get into the rest of this, we are the No Spoilers podcast, so we're, we're reading the description straight off of IMDb, the Internet Movie Database, imdb.com. We're not going to give you any spoilers because I really hate people that do that. As an example, we were just watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which was directed by Quentin Tarantino, and when they were at the Cannes Film Festival, he publicly said, once you see this, do not spoil it for the rest of the world. It's fun to see it, how it's meant to be without spoilers. I really hate people that they go watch a Star Wars or a Disney movie or any new movie, and then immediately they go on social media and try to do spoilers. If you do that, you are a bad person. Schitt's Creek spans 80 episodes over six seasons. And sadly, we just finished season six in the whole show. We just finished it this week. Yeah, because the episodes are only 22 minutes because this was for TV broadcast. This was our lunch break. Yeah, this was our lunch break. Our um, daily you, lunch break. You we... can get through these pretty quick. <laughs> so the show stars comedy icons Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara, both veteran members of Second City TV, if you did not know. And Catherine O'Hara is known for playing the mom in Home Alone. That's and probably looks, where most people would know her. She looks so much younger. Eugene is known for playing the dad in American Pie which also featured our friend Shannon Elizabeth. So we are only one person removed from knowing Eugene Levy. (laughs) If you do the whole Kevin Bacon seven degrees of separation, we're only one degree away from Eugene. Well, let's not forget that Eugene Levy, I loved his role in Splash. Oh my God, I forgot about that. The movie from the 80s 
with um with Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah and another one of my favorite comedic actors of all time, the immortal John Candy. Great, great cast. And anyway, it's head up by two great actors, but then also Eugene Levy's son is the co producer, creator, writer yeah, for Dan, the Daniel, series. Dan, Daniel, everyone. Yep. His son was the co-executive producer and writer. And Dan's sister, Sarah, also played a very important role in the show. So Eugene got to work with one of his best friends, Catherine, and also his son and daughter in a show that they produced originally for the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Company. And thank you to you Canucks to let the show Come on down here. So what makes this show unique is that they do a lot of on-location shooting. They are very vague. They never say it's a specific location. Like they don't say, oh, this is in Arkansas or this is in New York. But you kind of get a sense once you see. It's definitely not Arkansas. It's definitely not Arkansas. And it's not Florida. It's either New York or Canada. (laughs) Yeah, it's up in there. A lot of the outside walking scenes will be shot on location. They also use a lot of B-roll, which if you don't know that, it's it's recorded video shots used to establish location. So if they're going to go have lunch at the diner, they'll do a B-roll shot of the front of the diner, a standard shot. They don't have to keep redoing that for every episode. And then they'll cut to the inside of the diner. And those shots are usually filmed on a soundstage where they've recreated the set inside. Yes, they did. So in this case, the motel that the Rose family lives in is located in Orangeville, Ontario, whereas Bob's Garage, the Tropical Diner, and Schitt's Creek General Store are located in Goodwood, Ontario. And all three can actually be found at the same intersection. So that's kind of how this is set up. Very small town. So if you are in what I would call road trip distance to Goodwood, Ontario, go find out where this is and go visit that. I don't think you're going to stay at the Rosebud Motel anywhere <laughs> Probably close. Probably not. It was a totally <laughs> different location. But it's a place you can go and take pictures and say, you know what? I can go into the tropical diner and just feel what it was like to be like. I can't imagine if you lived in that area when they were shooting and you're like, oh my gosh, there's a movie crew in town and they're shooting at the diner. Let's all go. That, to me, would have been a blast. And without getting into what would be spoilers, because again, we don't do that here, this is one of the funniest and most well-scripted comedies that I can think of of all time, one of the longest-running comedies in history, and I don't think there will ever be a more well-scripted comedy than MASH. This one was pretty good, though. No, it was great. And I'm not like a huge MASH fan, but I love the character of Moira Rose, played by Catherine, it's so she's so funny because she definitely has the highest number of words that no one on the planet knows what they are and her character just it was so fun and that's the best part of this is that you're going to watch this recorded because you're going to go back to season one and start watching this and so when you hear a word you're like i have no idea what that was make sure you have your remote in your hand because you will rewind and you will replace so many of the sentences that she does, especially if you're watching it. I remember when we started watching the first couple episodes and after the series was done, we went back and we watched them again because you really get a feel for the character and it sets up the entire season. And almost from the first show, you get a feel for each character. But Moira uses so many words that we would go back and look up and I'm like half of these are fake words. I think they're real words. I think they were fake. <laughs> it's because we've never used them. So a comedy that makes you think. <laughs> but it's also fun from the standpoint of the whole premise is this family that lived in these mansions and now they're in this small town. So think about that. How many of us have a little small town right in our backyard? I know right here in Florida, we could drive up to Homosassa or whatever it's called. It's like north. What are we going you- there for? 
Well, that's just it. That would be a day trip to go see a small town, very small town. And, you know, if you wanted to do a staycation, find a motel, stay there, do something similar to like what the characters do. Stay in a motel, not a hotel. Exactly. You know, go go enjoy that local restaurant because there are little hidden gems. And that was one of my favorite things of this show is just like, wow, what would that be like if you were transported into like all of a sudden you have to live in a small town? And how many people actually live in these small towns and they love it. And the writers, the scripts were so well presented in a way that you feel like you're part of the Rose family and you're trying to fit in in this small town and you're used to a big mansion and you have no idea what to do. So when the writers can put you in a place where you feel like you're part of the actual show, that's when you know it's very well written. And that's one of the reasons that I definitely loved this though, because I did feel like every time we walked it, watched the show that we were transported into Schitt's Creek. Stop saying that because we can get in trouble. <laughs> That's a wrap for this week. If you have a favorite show that is set in a cool destination, let us know so we can feature it on an upcoming episode. And thanks for tuning in this week. We hope that you are getting some great weather wherever you are at. I've heard that some places in the US, it got quite cold. So let's hope that May will finish out the month on a good note with good weather. I would say right now it is 86 and sunny. Make sure to tune in next week. We're going to talk to you about the latest show that we got addicted to. And again, this is not a brand new show. It's a show that's been around for a while. And we started watching the first couple episodes. And I was like, how did we miss this one for the last five or six years? We'll tell you more about that. And also we're going to talk about the cities that are known for travel first. That means the first thing that ever happened in the travel segment and the cities that they happened in. I'm looking forward to that. It's actually really cool. Until next time, plan a trip so you have something to look forward to. And think about this. It's a great, big, beautiful world. Get out there and see it. And remember, never stop exploring. Exploring.